This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And this is a Cosmic Queries edition on a subject I think about which we all care or should care. And that's the science of happiness. And we got one of our happy co-hosts to join me, Nagin Farsad. Nagin, <laughs> welcome back to Star Talk. Hi, Neil. I'm so Look happy. A happy to be face. Here. <laughs> That's a happy <laughs> face. You are host of the podcast Fake the Nation, and I recently appeared on that podcast. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Neil, you for, killed it. People no. still write me about that episode. Oh Come my on. god. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you're also the author of the Funniest book title I've ever seen. It's called How to Make White People Laugh. <laughs> so this is <laughs> for all people of color. This should be like at the top of their shelf, right? Because <laughs> you don't want angry white people. That's some scary stuff. Is that what it's you're saying? It's a useful guide. It's a useful quick reference guide. <laughs> and, and you get to say that because your heritage is not sort of European white. So what, what is your heritage? In this? I'm I'm an Iranian American Muslim, like everyone. Yeah, like everybody. Yeah, yeah. You left out maybe two boxes. You could have check there but I mean, <laughs> all right so neither of us have expertise on this so we bring in experts when we need them and today we've got our special guest psychologist Lori Santos Lori welcome to Star Talk thanks so much for having me on the show excellent so you're a professor of psychology up at Yale and in New Haven Connecticut and you're head of Silman College and now just so people understand, in the Ivy League and in many other places, uh, dormitories are basically called colleges. Is that correct? 
Yeah, it's kind of like Hogwarts. You know, they kind of steal from the Harry Potter, you know. Okay. Okay. So Yale is... Slytherin. (laughs) Yale is based on Hogwarts. Okay. Gotcha. So, Head, this is a title that, if I remember correctly, it was once called The Master of Stillman College. So I guess that went out with the with the movement this in the summer of 2020, right? You can't run yeah. around calling people master. Yeah, exactly. Especially since, you know, many of the heads of college are white men and, you know, a lot of our students are students of color. It gets a little awkward, you know. And at one time, they maybe actually owned slaves. <laughs> so, not this round, but earlier generations, yeah. possibly. Yeah, exactly. So what do you do? So you are the director of the Comparative Cognition Laboratory, at Yale, and it's in particular the Canine Cognition Center. So that's just fancy talk for dogs, right? That's exactly right, yeah. We're really interested in what makes the human mind special. That's kind of my day job when I'm not studying happiness and well-being, is this question of what makes the human mind unique. And we study dogs in part because we build them to be a lot like us. And so if we're expecting wow. some critters out there to show human-like characteristics, it's probably going to be dogs. Um, let's, let's, I want to hear you say that again. We invented dogs. Just say that. Just we invented dogs. Well, we Thank didn't really you. invent them, but you know, we shaped them. You know, They're a lot different than a wolf. You know, Most of us wouldn't be kind of curling up in the bed with the wolf you know, in uh-huh. our house, right? Hey, speak for yourself. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Nagin only has three limbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The wolf got hungry overnight. So you also host the podcast Happiness Lab. This is a great title. Um, Pushkin Industries, are they the sponsors of the lab? Is that? Uh, Sponsors of the podcast, yeah. The podcast, sorry. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. Well, well, excellent. So let me just ask some general questions just to start out here. Uh, So um, isn't happiness, I don't mean to sound all philosophical, but how do you know you're happy unless at some time you felt sad? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to know about happiness is I wish we had a more scientific approach to it, right? Like, I wish that's we why had you're a, that's why we have you. This is why we're trying, right? This is why we're trying. But, but but even though you have lots of researchers studying happiness, we don't have great measurement tools for happiness, right? I wish we had a little happiness thermometer that we could stick in people's mouths and know, yes. oh, you know, combining all their emotions of joy and laughter and sometimes anxiety, here's their happiness reading, right? By the way, there's a great quote. I think it was Logan Clendenning. If not him, it was someone of his ilk that said, no science achieves maturity without a system of measurement. And so this is one of the things that happiness researchers have been working on for a while now. We have actually like two two decades worth of data looking at this. And what they've converged on, which sounds not scientific, but actually is is quite a good measurement, is simply asking people about their own happiness. Now, when I first started this, right, I study animals for a living. My my work is in animal cognition where we have these really strict measurements that come out of the history of ethology and things like that. It felt Wait, what like... what is ethology? What is uh, ethology? Ethology is sort of the study of animal behavior and things, right? You I, know? I, that's yeah. a word. I didn't, that's, that's a, a word. word. Yeah, it's me. totally a word. Totally Nikki, a word. did you know this word? <laughs> I've never heard of this word. <laughs> okay. Ethology, the, yeah. the study of... Animal. Kind of animal behavior and, and animal uh, kind of communication. Okay, so the people things. who study ethics, it's not ethology, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's ethics. Ethicsology? I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go, yeah. go on. Continue. Yeah, yeah. So, so the point is that I was, when I first got to this work on the science of well-being and I saw that, you know, great studies were based on asking people about their own happiness, I was pretty worried. But what I realized was two things. First is that these measurements are actually pretty solid, right? They tend to be measurements that are relatively valid. So we can kind of like measure them over and over again. And they also be, tend to... Be tend repeatable. To be, they're repeatable, repeatable. right? Yes, you know, right. just 
just like we really want in science. Obviously, we measure you twice. We get the same kind of reading, you know, time one, time two. But the other thing is that these measurements seem to correlate with all kinds of things that we think must be relevant for happiness. So when we have good hormonal measures of people's moods, people's self-reports of how they're feeling correlate with that. People's self-reports of how they're feeling, whether they're happy or not, also correlate with like rich textual analysis of their journals. You know, so I grab your diary and I do all this machine learning on the adjectives you use. And that really hardcore analysis correlates with when I ask you, you know, all things considered, scale of one to 10, how satisfied are you with your life? And so in a bunch of different- So one of the things you listed there was, you say hormones, but we can just broaden that and say chemistry. You're saying, if you say you're happy, that correlates with being chemically happy. That's right. I mean, the problem is that we don't know a lot about what chemical happiness looks like because even there, yeah, we run into marijuana. What? Okay, so what? <laughs> psilocybin. is the new school. The new school. Um, but no, but even even those kinds of measurements are hard when we don't know what happiness is, right? Because if I measure your chemicals and or I give you marijuana, say, and then I ask, then I have to measure: Did the marijuana make you happy? But I'm still at square one. I have to ask you: Hey, are you happy now after you you know smoked up a bit? And so, mm-hmm. so, so what the science suggests is these relatively valid measurements might be tapping into the real thing we want to measure, which is, I don't want to know about your hormones. I don't want to know about your chemistry. I want to know how you feel right now. You know, Neil, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? So in some sense, if you tell me on a valid measurement that you're feeling pretty good, that's kind of what I want to maximize with any intervention I'm going to do on how you're feeling, right? I, I want you to think that you're feeling good. As a psychologist, this is a very important goal, yeah, so I mean, you know, people. especially, you know, you and I are talking right now in the midst of COVID-19, you know, right after 2020, this has been a really hard, a really hard year and a really hard time. A lot of people are feeling, you know, much more depressed and anxious and uncertain and lonely than they've felt in a really long time. And so if we could find good interventions that work across people's individual differences to boost up their well-being, we'd be doing something really good for the world. But can you translate it into like cups or quarts or like milliliters for people who don't like the king's measurements is there can i get like some just easy because i want to bake it you know what i mean totally I totally see. What what I can tell you is that social scientists are interested in two aspects of happiness. That's what people tend to measure. Um, so the, one of those aspects is sort of how you feel in your life, right? Which is the kind of emotions you have. We don't want to get rid of negative emotions because that's, you know, part of a rich, fulfilling life. But we want, on average, there to be more like laughter and joy and positive things than, you know, anger and sadness and, and you know, anxiety and things Wait, like that. By the that. way, Lori, when I, when I was growing up, I grew up in New York City. And so I had exposure to theater. Right, as just as a New York resident, it's just part of the life of of growing up there. And I remembered seeing these this pair icon of a smiley face and a sad face. And I thought, why is there a sad face there? Oh, because theater takes you both places. And I say, why ever take someone to a sad? <laughs> I just did not understand <laughs> why you would glorify making someone sad in what you wrote. Why is this? And I, I, could, I was a full, I might have been 40 before I came any sense and understanding of this. So, so that's kind of back to my early question. What role and value does depression play? I don't mean clinical depression, but just I have a bad day. I feel sad. Tomorrow I feel great. Because I've been to L.A., and the freaking sun is out every day and it's 72 <laughs> degrees and a little cloud comes and says, oh, it's a cloudy day. It's like, shut up. You have no idea what anything other than a sunny day is like. Because, and so they're sad because they started in a whole other place. 
So yeah. how does that factor into all of this? Well, there are kind of t- two reactions to that. So one gets to the other kind of measure of happiness. So I said the first one is how you're feeling in your life, but then there's a second thing I really want to maximize, which is how you're feeling with your life. You know, that's the answer to the question, how satisfied are you with your life right now? And those two things, like how you're feeling right now, whether you're happy, joyous, sad, whatever, and how satisfied you are with your life, those those things can vary a little bit, right? You know, I think, you know, sometimes when we're doing our best work, when we're getting the most meaning out of life, you know, I think back to grad school when I was like feeling really fulfilled career-wise, those in the moment weren't necessarily the best times. You know, my dean who lives with me in the college right now, she and her wife have a a new baby and they're kind of in the midst of this too. You know, they're so satisfied with their life. You know, they brought this life into the world. It's so meaningful. But day to day, it kind of sucks. Like not sleeping, dirty diapers, right? Like that's bad news, right? And so, (laughs) so I think you can have these dissociations, right? So it's important to measure both kind of in general in a big picture way. How satisfied are you? What meaning do you have? You know, do you have a sense of purpose? And also, kind of in the trenches, are you mostly feeling good? Again, we're not trying to get rid of negative emotion, but the goal is that when you're having it, you're learning from it or it's serving a purpose or it stands in contrast to some other kind of emotion that you had that now, felt you also better study, before. You also study dog brains and all the people who have, what do they call the... the the dog they carry on airplanes with them. The emotional yeah. support animal. Yeah. Support, yeah, thank you, thank you. The emotional yes. support. Nagin, I saw a comedian. I forgot which one. I think it was Sebastian Maris- Maniscalco. Maniscalco. Thank you for um, where he said he saw he saw the actor who plays Superman carrying an emotional support dog onto the plane. And he said, no, I, we have to stop somewhere. Okay. Neil, you, you haven't, you I, haven't you, seen my emotional support wolf on the airplane. That's where <laughs> things get interesting. It's how to make everyone scared so you feel better about yourself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so if you study dog brains, the, the soothing effect that a, that, a, that a very comforting dog can have, I guess there's some kind of symbiosis there, right? Yeah, most of the work that we do in the dog lab is a bit separate from the happiness work, but there is a growing body of work about what's called human-animal interaction, right? Just this idea of kind of socially connecting with this other creature that seems not judgmental, maybe not even as judgmental as some of your friends or some of your family members. Like, it can be a powerful... You hope not, right? You hope not. Yeah, <laughs> if you not, get, a, get a different <laughs> dog. Nagin, you look yeah. terrible this morning. Go, yeah. go, go back to bed. <laughs> My dog did not like this outfit, you guys, and uh, <laughs> it was a tough one. <laughs> no, but what they're tapping into is the, is one of the necessary features for happiness, which is some form of social connection. Ideally, we're getting that with other Homo sapiens, right? But you know, if that's not happening, then sort of having a non-judgmental connection with the animal can give us a lot of the same pleasures that we get out of connecting with other humans too. And before we go to the break, because I, I, we haven't gotten any to any questions yet, Nagin, I assume you have questions lined up. Oh my from god, people so many out there, right? Right. So, uh, what about I don't want to derail where we're going here, but I I can't help but think about emotional support robots, either for people who can't interact with other humans, which is a big part of what you're describing, but a, but a robot might provide that. So what about robot happiness? Yeah, there's actually lots of work trying to use, you know, soft, fuzzy, cuddly, kind of almost animalistic robots as kind of emotional support critters. I think in COVID-19, I've seen lots of tweets of like, the last person I talked to was my Roomba. You know, like a lot of people <laughs> are finding okay, so some if you support. Make, if you make furry Roombas, that will change <laughs> exactly. the whole exactly. ecosystem. By the way, my therapist told me, uh, because not to brag, but I've experienced some anxiety in my life. 
And um, my therapist had me uh, pet my dog meaningfully for like a few minutes every night to like help bring down my anxiety. Wait, so why, why are you bragging? What, where's the bragging in that? Um, anxiety is a very elite uh, experience. Okay. <laughs> and, I don't um, mean to brag, but I was not so anxious. Everyone I has experienced it. <laughs> Did it work though? Yeah, I mean, in you know, in general, a lot of those things that, that a lot of the questions actually are, are going to touch on. Um, a lot of stuff that she talked that she had me do um, have have helped with my anxiety. So wait a minute, Nagin, you just solve something. Lori, let me get your fast opinion before we go to break. The the James Bond villains who are always petting a cat on their back, <laughs> they have high anxiety. They're onto something. <laughs> this is, yeah, they're onto something. James Bond has you need, known You them. need a monocle and you need a dog or a cat. <laughs> and you need to do, have some nice petting motions. The petting motions. You can be as be evil that. as you want, and, but also calm. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to blow right through uh, our cosmic queries on the science of happiness with Lori Santos. When we return. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. 
PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk, code startalk. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support StarTalk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of StarTalk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, StarTalk Cosmic Queries a topic which is on all of our minds, especially coming out of the, the coronaverse. It's the science of happiness. And Lori Santos, this is your one of your professional specialties, is thinking about this as a psychologist and professor up at Yale. I say up at Yale because we are in New York City, and that's north, and so up is north. That's what I mean by that, for those who have no clue or don't really care <laughs> that, what that means. Uh, so... Uh, Lori, you have a, a podcast. That means you probably also have a Twitter handle and or, or an Instagram handle. What are they? I do. I'm on Twitter. I'm just my name, at Lori Santos. And you can check out the podcast, The Happiness Lab, anywhere you download your podcasts. Okay, excellent. Very good. Okay, so Nagin, you got questions for us, culled from our fan base. Oh, my God. Lori, you got so many amazing questions. And the first one is... Well, so that's that's code for saying... When you answer, keep it short. So we can get through <laughs> we, We've got a lot. <laughs> All right. So this first question comes from Patreon from Agasta Suresh. In sorry if I mispronounce that name. In a recent episode of Star Talk, Dr. Tyson mentioned that he chose to have comedians on the show because if people smile and enjoy the moment, they're more likely to remember it. Can you give us some scientific insight on how happiness can lead to stronger memories? Ooh, love yeah, that. I love question. that question. Also, Ooh. as a comedian, I especially love it. It also yeah. puts you on the spot, Nagin. If we don't laugh, you're gone. Okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, please give me reason for being, Lori, please. <laughs> yeah, can we justify Nagin's existence, Lori? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, well, one thing is like, you know, people remember the things that they're talking about because jokes are funny, right? And funny things are the kinds of things we want to share, right? You know, so if they hear a good joke on Star Talk, they're going to want to tell their friends or get their friends to listen to the podcast so they can hear it too. But we also know that memory That's requires... That's the spreading of, of love. The spreading it's the spreading of love. Of love, yes. Sharing mm-hmm. Star Talk with your friends, full spreading of love, right there. That's mm-hmm. that induces happiness. Um, but also, we know that memories really require some emotional experience, right? That helps us tag kind of the things in life. You know, if I asked you, what are some of your earliest memories from childhood? My guess is that they're tinged with like strong affect or strong emotion. You know, that time you got lost at the grocery store and you were scared, or that time you got the present you wanted and you were super happy, right? Those are the things that tend to stick out. And so, you know, if we want to make things memorable, you know, giving someone a pleasurable experience is a really good way to do it. 
So, Nagin, uh, you didn't grow up in New York City, but I did. And it's, I don't know if it's still a thing, mm. but the most terrifying prospect okay. is getting lost in Macy's. <laughs> okay? I, I haven't heard much lately, but when I was growing up, that was the thing. Because we've all been to, Macy's is the single largest store in the, in the world at Herald Square. It's where the parade ends and they dance. That frontage is an entire block. It's a okay? whole universe. And, and it's, it's, it's nine floors up and the floors down. Yes, it is an, it's the Macy's universe. And you're in there like holding your parents' hand and you just, and you worry that if they just let go, and it's always so crowded and so many people and you're little. So that was a fear factor. I just want you to <laughs> It's also like, know. it's like the Vatican. It has its own like it's its own nation. It has its own <laughs> it's rules. Own, <laughs> <laughs> it's own zip code. Like, <laughs> its own zip code. And, some, and for some reason, you always walk out with like three extra handbags and you smell like 12 different types of perfume. A lot happens at Macy's. But I like that, that you need an emotional connection. And so what you're saying, Lori, is that laughter and joy is an emotional connection to the learning. But you're also saying that Nagin can also make us angry and have the same effect. <laughs> that might have other said. consequences. That might have other consequences for Star Talk. You know, we want the show to be memorable, but not, you know, anger provoking. But not, not angry. Okay, so Negin, don't piss us off. Okay. Uh, well, that's when I bring out the wolf. So uh, <laughs> as long as uh, he's, he's in the, you know. Um, should we go on to another question? Yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep, keep okay. coming. So this is from, it's uh, also from Patreon. It's a 12 and a half year old astrophysicist Violetta writing in from Birmingham. Professor Santos, is there any scientific truth to the statement ignorance is bliss? Does processing more general knowledge make us more or less content? I love this question. This Great is a question. badass question from a 12 year old astrophysicist. I no, want I'd be more badass from an adult. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's well, double badass coming from somebody <laughs> who's still in their tweens. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Socrates said the, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living, right? And I think he was kind of, I think he was sort of on to something in a certain way. I mean, one thing that we know is that there's a lot of happiness boost that comes with learning something new, especially learning something new in a challenging way. One of the coolest concepts in positive psychology is this concept of flow. This time when you're kind of so entrenched in something that you're like losing track of time. And it can happen in lots of like sports activities and things, but it can also happening when you're learning something really But that's rich. called being in the zone, right? Exactly, being in the zone. But that's yeah. the kind of thing that can happen when we're learning something challenging. You know, if you're doing a, like a hard math problem that's like taking all of your cognitive energy, but you can still do it, it's not like so devastating that you kind of can't Nagin, that happens it. to you all the time when you're doing the hard <laughs> math problem. Right? I'm doing a calculus theorem right on the side right here. You guys can't see it. Or even a hard, a hard puzzle, you know, like, like a good jigsaw puzzle that's like taking all your attention, right? And I think that's a sign that when we're learning, especially when we're learning right at the edge of our ability, that is something that our brains tag as joyful, is so, so immersive that it's Where does fun. the phrase ignorance is bliss come from? I think the phrase ignorance is bliss comes from when you're getting bad information that you might not want to know. I mean, I think this is something, you know, if you find out some terrible factoid or your friends were talking about you or you learn some awful truth, like that can kind of stick with you, right? And so I think that's where the ignorance is bliss comes from. But I would say, you know, maybe ignorance is bliss, but learning is definitely bliss too. 
Can, can I can I push back as someone who knows nothing? Then and you can't I'm push comedian. back. You can only just raise your hand. There's no pushing here. <laughs> you can can't I say, I don't know anything, back? but I'm going to push back. No, the, the, those don't go together in a sentence. Okay. Okay. One of the things that has reduced my kind of like general unhappiness, and it, which has made me more happy, is turning off the notifications on my phone. I used to get all the news notifications all the time. And so not knowing things when they're happening, I have found to be particularly blissful. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you, but you, built in, you know you will learn it later, so it's just a delay. Right, It's exactly. not a total yeah, yeah, yeah. abject ignorance, delay. right? And that's, that's one of the true. reasons, I mean, so another thing that really we require for happiness in some sense is the ability to attend, to notice stuff, to be in the present moment. And one of the reasons that notifications suck away our happiness so much is they steal us out of that. You know, I might be in the middle of watching, you know, like, like doing a really great puzzle and like looking at the pieces or learning something new, and then I hear like, bing, like, you know, some Facebook friend posted some dumb thing about politics. And now my brain is sucked out of that moment that was giving it joy. And I'm kind of like, wait, what happened? And it takes me a while to get back. One of the things we don't realize is how much these attention grabbers are negatively affecting our happiness, even if the information we're getting is good. And so one quick happiness-inducing strategy you can do is to shut off lots of those non-urgent notifications on your phone as soon as possible. It'll keep you more in the moment, and that being in the moment will boost your well-being a bit. Well, what you, I'm old enough, older than both of y'all, to remember when it was policy for the medical doctor to not tell you that you were diagnosed with terminal cancer. They sew you back and say, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Don't tell grandpa. Don't tell. And there was this, even in fact, I think as a cat on a hot tin roof, the, a major running theme in that is that the big daddy, I think it is, has cancer. And he said, I'm fit as a fiddle. And everyone knows he's about to die. So who was giving that advice at the time? Yeah, or, or did one, medical doctors need more psychologists to come in and run the show? Yeah, it's tricky. That's actually one where, you know, ignorance might be a little bit more blissful or a, a, a specific kind of ignorance, which is, you know, one of the problems that comes with knowing about your medical diagnoses is that in addition to doctors telling you more information, they also give you more choice, right? You find out some bad information and the doctor says, okay, do you want this kind of treatment or this one? And the research shows that another thing that can be a real hit on our well-being, something we don't expect, is actually having too many choices. Too many choices. Too many yes. choices. So, which is shocking, right? You know, if, if you give me a choice, hey, do you want Netflix where you have three movies? Or do you want Netflix where you have like Netflix number of movies? I would choose the Netflix number of movies, right? That, that number is infinity, just in case you wondered. Yes. But haven't you all had the same experience where you plop down and you say, all right, I'm going to watch a movie and it's scroll, scroll, scroll. And then my husband comes and he's like, you've been here for like a half hour, like it's scrolling a, it's through. It's an hour and, later, right, right. And you right. finally get to the end of the scroll and they've made mo new movies to add to the list. <laughs> Um, Never mind that. I just found out there are 14 flavors of Triscuits on the market now. And I found that to be very stressful. I mean, you can't have too many snack options. It's uh, demoralizing. Jell-O invented that, okay? Jell-O, a wall of Jell-O flavors. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, so, so Lori, what you're saying is the high school senior who says, oh, I got into 15 universities and I don't know which one. I'm sad. It's like you just want to punch them out. But he might be on to some. I mean, what the data suggests is more choices make you sad. And even when you do choose, that you have more regret, 
right? You know, if you had 50 colleges to choose from and you pick one, you're kind of like, maybe one of those other 49 might have been pretty good. And so I worry about this with so much, you know, we have so much choice in movies. We have so much choice in dating partners. Look at Tinder, right? You know, but I met my husband before online dating was a huge thing. And I think, you know, I I love him a lot. Wait, wait, Nagin, that could have happened in that sentence. You know, I met my husband before Tinder, you know. <laughs> Had I known. <laughs> people can't see my video now, but they're thinking, she must be old. <laughs> she, by the way, for, for people who can't see her, she's sepia-toned, so she looks very old to me. Back in the old days. The edges are kind of afraid of the image. <laughs> okay, so what you're saying is you selected your husband from a smaller pool of choices. Yeah, one that didn't feel infinite, right? And I think that, you know, people on the dating market, this can be depressed. Again, this isn't one of the themes of the of the work in happiness and, and that I talk about a lot in my podcast is that our minds lie to us about what makes us happy a lot, right? You know, we think we want more choices. If we had to pick, we'd pick something with lots of choices. But in fact, that makes us kind of unhappy, you know? we And another is in our leisure, you know, we were just talking about flow and picking things that are challenging. If you give people a choice, many people will choose like easier problems or something that's not as challenging, especially when they're kind of choosing leisure. But in fact, we kind of enjoy it when puzzles are kind of tricky and hard. I think this is why so many people gravitate towards astrophysics is because, you know, we don't have answers. It, it actually, people sort of like that stuff when we I don't really like know. I kind of like being steeped in ignorance. But I just have to make it clear on this podcast that you have told your husband, darling, I'd love you even though I had fewer choices at the time <laughs> we got together. And and, and I've justified that by my own research. I'm I'm happier that way. For the limited pool you were in. (laughs) Um, Wait, but this really makes a lot of sense because I did do a lot of Tinder dating and I did do a lot of OkCupid dating, but I had really strict rules. So I didn't get overwhelmed by the options. Like I would only allow myself to like browse for a certain number of minutes. I only uh, reached out to people who I reached out to. I never responded to people who thought they were interested in me because they were always wrong. Uh, and so, Wait, so I is had, your husband a product of Tinder? And then the hilarious thing is, even though I was very successful doing the online dating, um, and I had like multiple boyfriends from that, my husband was an IRL. We met it up, like we had the same acting coach. So it was a real showbiz connection. Wow. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. Just wondering there. Okay. Well, give me some more questions. Also uh, from Patreon, Woody asks, is there a difference between beers by a campfire happiness and holding your newborn child for the first time happiness? Or is happiness just an out of 10 scoring system? Wow, I like that. Yeah. Well, I think if you get back to the definition of happiness we talked about before, where it has these two components, like happiness in your life and happiness with your life, you might get some differences there on the, you know, beer by the campfire versus newborn baby, right? Newborn baby hopefully they're cute and they're cuddly and you're really excited and happy, but you're probably yeah, cute exhausted. To parents, not to cute to the else. parents, yeah. yeah the parents it's it's your baby, right? Yeah. Holding mm-hmm. your newborn baby. Right, cute, but, but you know, a lot of complicated emotions, uncertainty, maybe some fear and anxiety, definitely lots of exhaustion and so on, right? But with the how you're feeling in your life, oh my gosh, so much meaning of the holding the mm. new baby. You know, around the campfire, that kind of feels good and that's great. You know, feeling good and having some beers and it's warm and fuzzy and social connection, that's all great. You know, but that might not be contributing as much to the meaning side. And so mm. when I think about maximizing my own happiness, I kind of want to bump up both. You know, I want joy and good feelings in my life, but I also want to make sure that they're serving a bigger purpose and, and a lot more meaning in my life too. So if I were to layer some math on this, I would say then that 
the, the axis of happiness that is the inner fulfillment is not the same axis as the one that's happiness in the moment. And so to combine those, you want to move along both axes to get some combination of both that might be perfect for yourself. I is think that a that's fair right, way to yeah. think about it? If I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you can definitely point to people who have, you know, every comfort and happiness on the in their life kind of thing, right? You know, like, you know, rich folks who are, you know, social media folks who have the uh, best wine and the best food and, you know, mm-hmm. on the yacht, and they yes. feel empty, you know, they feel empty, right? And they, you right, know, report right. feeling lonely and so on. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. so you want to kind of move up both, both, you want to move up the line at once, maximizing yes. both. So areas. you're basically, what you're both saying is, you should have more beers and more babies. <laughs> I think it's a way. It just to translate all of this for the, the listeners. The simple, deep platitudes of life. Exactly. Thank you, Nagin, for just for making it, make it a basic. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with more Cosmic Queries, The Science of Happiness. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to give a Patreon shout out to the following Patreon patrons, Victor Sanchez, Austin Douglas, and Sarah George. Thank you all for supporting us. Without you, we could not do this show. And if you are listening and you'd like your very own Patreon shout out, please go to patreon.com slash Radio and support us. We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the science of happiness. Happiness. And, and Nagin, you, you've taken us through these questions, but we got to go into lightning round uh, for Lori. So, Lori, lightning round means we want one word answers to these questions. Okay, can you, can you do that? <laughs> I'm on it. You're <laughs> totally on it. Okay. All right, let's go. Nagin. Okay, here we go from Patreon. Gordon asks, hello, uh, what does science say about the relationship between happiness and lifespan and happiness and money? I'm from Asia, and my culture believes money brings happiness. Wow, and, and just, is that Gordon, does Gordon have a last name? Sorry, Gordon Vu. Gordon Vu, okay, excellent. So, yeah, I like that. Do, do happy people live longer? Happy people do live longer, and happy people are wealthier. In other words, uh, you, there's some studies that show that if I measure your cheerfulness at 18, that predicts how much money you're going to be making in your 20s, your late 20s, and your 30s. What? So they're related, what? they're correlated, but the, the causal link seems to go backwards. We think when you get rich, you get happy, but the data seem to suggest if you're happy, then you might have lots of other stuff that get you to be higher salaried and stuff. Wow. In the or people yeah. like having you around and then opportunities are greater. Exactly. Or maybe you're more creative, so you're better on the job. And so so we kind of have it backwards. Wow. So when I was in high school, I had friends who'd nickname me Chuckles because I was always making jokes and, and having fun. So I had a nickname of Chuck in, 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 in high school. So... But I didn't become a comedian. Nagin, I lost it. Did I go I know. The wrong I don't know here? what happened to you along the way. Because you do seem like you could have naturally it's gone in so that direction. It's so disappointing. Yeah. Damn. I mean, okay. you know what? I think you ended up okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good answer. So keep them coming. Nagin. From Instagram, Nick Dorflinger asks, what drug gets me there safest? Uh, Edgy question, but I want yeah, to hear Yeah, Lori, why worry about stuff in your life if you could just do it chemically? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the most legal drug, I think, is gratitude. Um, taking oh, time wow. to kind of oh, Come on. Oh, oh. The best illegal drug, probably psilocybin, is what the data suggest. Um, you, you, you get a boost and a real kind of connection with other people and everything in the world. And the data seems to suggest that even once the drug wears off, some of that connection still holds. Lots of new, like, this is like super ongoing research stuff right now, but the data suggests that work is going to be super interesting in five so years. So does psilocybin have a street name? It's basically like just like taking acid or a bunch of like psychedelics, basically. The psychedelics. Or firing okay. forms. Mushrooms yeah. and stuff as well? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I can't imagine someone saying, hey, you want some psilocybin? You know, <laughs> generally drug dealers don't use the chemical name. Yeah, generally. No, lots of forms of psychedelics, basically. <laughs> Psychedelics, okay. Okay, write, write that down, Neil Dorflinger. Right. Okay, this next question is really close to my heart. Melanie Munz in, on Instagram asks, why do we get depressed when we're not able to socialize with our friends? This happens to me. What's up totally. with that? Totally. I mean, there's one of the most famous papers, published papers in the history of social psychology suggests that social connection, being around other people, physically being around other people is a necessary condition for high happiness. That was like the big tagline of this paper. And so you're just like 
you know, showing off human nature, that social connection is really required for high happiness. Now, this is tough during COVID because we have to get very creative about how we get our social connection and often involves screens like the one you and I are talking over now. But the great news is it suggests most of the connection we get in real life, we can get across the screen too. So communication is what was really happening there, right? Which is a fundamental part of what it is to be human, that we can communicate information. Yeah, and, and we're social and, primates, and right? You know, right. If, you, if, we, if we got one thing from our primate ancestry, it's the fact that we like being around other critters and grooming them and sort of getting information from them. So it's not such a surprise that natural right, because, selection built in Because Nagin pulls lice off of her husband's hair you know, <laughs> and eats it. Don't you do that. The grooming, you groom him this way, don't you? No, of course. And it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and high in protein. Right. Okay, another, another question. Keep um, from the Aloe Alex 10 from on Instagram asked, does happiness fall under schedules of reinforcement or is it innate? Ah, oh, that's a good one. And then it implies a certain dichotomy that those things are are different. I guess I would say there's some there's research suggesting that some aspects of our happiness are heritable. In other words, there's some maybe genetic or epigenetic components to our happiness. But there's also lots of research suggesting that you can build in your own happiness, that through your own habits, things like being more social, taking time for gratitude, taking time to be in the present moment, even if you're kind of naturally a like five out of 10 on a happiness scale, you can probably move it up through your own behaviors to like a eight out of 10. But you have um, to so want to do that. You have to want to do that. And you have to put in the work, right? I mean, that's one of the messages is like, you can, just like all good things, like, you know, being fit, you know, learning astrophysics, you can do it, but it's going to take some time and some energy. Well, one of my favorite lines in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is when Fer- Ferris Bueller is describing his best friend who's always miserable. And he says, uh, I don't understand him. He's only happy when he's sad. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first heard it, I said, what? And I said, oh, my gosh. These are people who go out of their way to put themselves in a sad place, and that somehow seems to be their equilibrium point. So, so the, there are those who are five on your scale who want to boost it, but maybe there are those who are five who are just happy, stay, happy at five. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get, most of the emails I get asking questions about happiness are, you know, my spouse, my child, you know, someone in my life is so unhappy. What can I do to make them happier? And the answer is, you know, there's lots of stuff they can do to make, to become happier if they put in the work, but they kind of have to want to do it. Wow. So what you're saying is you, we, don't, we don't have as much power as we believe we have over making someone else happy? Well, we do. I think, honestly, a, a strange thing, one thing we can do that's quite powerful is to make ourselves happy. One of the, another big powerful effect in this field of positive psychology is the power of emotional contagion. You know, we, we are chameleons. We suck up the emotions um, of other people. And that's why people listen to Star Talk, right? And here are you and the comedians laughing, right? And they're probably getting a little joy out of that themselves, even if they weren't feeling it before. And you would have to use the word contagion to describe it. Okay, is there another word you can use? It seems like it works. I mean, it's a tough word in a pandemic, Neil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. How about pandemic words are jumping into our communication? Happiness, happy catchiness. Catchiness, there you go. Not happiness. I was going to say infectious, but then no, again, it's a infectious pandemic happiness, right? Um, uh, But but I also, is it unethical, Lori? This is a question um, to slip like a teaspoon of psilocybin. 
someone you love. Just in yeah. a cup of coffee. I'm pretty sure that's against the law oh, in gotcha. most okay. places. That well, are but in the happiness universe, it is completely ethical. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We have another question from Amy McCormick on Instagram. Can you explain the science behind seasonal affective disorder? Ooh, good Yeah, one. I mean, seasonal, yeah, sad. Seasonal affective disorder is is just part of the many environmental things that affect our happiness. So we were just talking about one, right? Being around other people that are happy can make you a little bit happier. But we're really affected by our environment, and many of us are really affected by light, right? Just the sheer amount of light that you get in. We're also affected by kind of walks outside in nature. There's this wonderful Japanese concept of forest bathing, where you go out in the forest and it's thought of as a big booster for your happiness. But there's some empirical evidence suggesting that simply getting outside and being around nature can be a really powerful boost for happiness. But why why does light matter? I mean, I, I say that only because all right, the sun doesn't, you know, in different parts of the world, have very different amounts of sunlight, all right? And winter, winter nights can be very long in the northern and very southern climate, southern, south of the equator, of course, because it's symmetric in six-month shifts. So so what I don't understand is when you come indoors, there are lights everywhere. Yeah. You, you turn on the lights. We don't, we're not walking around with candles. You have, like, you know, halogen bulbs, not anymore. We have very bright um, LEDs. So why does the sun matter at all? You're such an astrophysicist to be defending darkness right now, by the way. <laughs> it was dark God, for so light. long. The light doesn't even get here that fast. You know? <laughs> Thank you. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. No, no, but I think, so I think a couple things. One is we can fake it, right? You know, and this is one of the treatments for seasonal affective disorder is to just get yourself some light and make sure you're surrounded by light. But another reason we that the, the wintertime affects us so badly, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, that is, right, is that you tend to behave differently. You know, think of the number of social connections you make in the summer. Think of how much like nature bathing you do in the summer when you're walking around outside. What happens when it's cold out and it's dark? You know, it's me in front of a screen, right? You know, not paying mm-hmm. attention to, you know, my health, right? And so I think it's partly the light, but it's a lot our behaviors that depend on different light states. Gotcha. Okay. So that's a that's a factor that's not otherwise described because they're, they're saying it's just light, but you got a whole matrix of elements that plug into that, which make much more sense to me. And this is this is the big problem of human, you know, human behavior. You know, I wish as a psychologist we have, you know, we talk about the people talk about physics envy or astrophysics envy. Yep, it's there because you guys can't isolate your your variables. We can't isolate anything. You know, yeah. it's like, I'd love to be able to put somebody in a box and be like, okay, you get this amount of light versus this amount of light, and not mess up their emotion levels by having them inside a box. But Nagin, they're people, not her particles. husband is still in a box <laughs> around, around the corner. Okay, that's just how come? Why do we only see Lori but not her husband? This is real shady, Lori. This is shady. (laughs) To be fair, he's actually an MIT physicist. So, you know, he puts puts up with my physics envy in a different way. (laughs) All right, give me some more in the game. Okay, so from um, the handle Tyrell Naquan on Instagram, are there long term scientific methods to generating happiness? This is the quintessential question, actually. I like that because long term implies I don't need to be happy just in this moment because I had a great meal. Give me something that really I can translate to my life span. Yeah. And so I think the biggest ones are gratitude. So taking time to count your blessings, all kinds of evidence that gratitude in the moment and in the long term can really help you, right? Sort of forming a habit about gratitude, social connection. Is that the same thing as, uh, um, 
when all else fails, lower your expectations. <laughs> You'll be happier. It's actually different. People think that grateful people are more like, like resigned of like, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm not going to change the situation. Turns out gratitude. Yeah, see, I'm grateful that I have two legs. You know, no. Can you can you up the bar on that a little? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what, the, what the evidence Socks really suggests legs. is so grateful people tend to be uh, more interested in changing the status quo. It's kind of like you have some emotional resilience. So you're like, I can put in the work to do things. This comes out a lot. One big question I get when I talk about gratitude with my students who are very interested in social justice and things, you know, they often ask like, well, if I'm grateful, then I won't, you know, fight for the changes that we want to see in the world. And that evidence suggests the opposite. When you're grateful, that's when you work really hard, right? Because you have some emotional resources to help people who are not yourselves. Right. You know, I forget about that because if you're going to make a change. You, you got to reach into yourself for, in, in your fuel tank, right? And start applying that emotional energy to, to affect change. That's exactly, exactly. Very cool. All right, again, we have time for maybe one and a half more questions. Okay. Okay. Give it to me. So Sarah Style asks on Instagram, do we want to be happy or do we need to be happy? Is it luxury or a survival instinct? I love it. Oh my gosh, which is it? That's great. Remember, lightning round. Yes. I think think need to be happy. Happiness affects our immune function. Happiness affects our longevity. Happiness affects how we interact with other people. Uh, My students sometimes joke that happiness is a first world problem, but all the data suggests that happiness matters more. for the fundamentals. Mm, okay. Okay. Very good. Keep going. Nagin. You started to answer this one, but there, this question kind of came up a lot from Edig Sona on Instagram. Can we fool ourselves into being happy? Can we convince our brain into releasing dopamine? You mentioned gratitude. Is there another trick? Yeah. Other tricks are having more social connection, being around other people more. Another easy one are like healthy habits like exercise and sleep. One study shows that a half hour of cardio can reduce symptoms of depression as well as one of the leading anti-depression medications. And then a final one is presence. Just try to be in the present moment. Like notice what is happening in your body right now. Follow your breath. It sounds kind of cheesy and hippy-dippy, but the data suggests it can really boost well-being. Yeah, doesn't... Science can support hippies. There's not, nothing, no law against that, right? <laughs> Hippie yeah, dippy. Sometimes they're right. <laughs> they're sometimes. reading the latest scientific journals. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and let me let me end with one. I'll take host rights and end with a question here. So let's say I'm fabulously rich and I have servants and I sleep in the most comfortable bed all and I can detect if there's a pea underneath the bed, uh, like the princess and the pea. And then I have to sleep on a cot, okay? And I'm miserable. Meanwhile, there's a homeless person who's been sleeping under a, an overpass. And then you put them in a cot and they say, oh my gosh, this is comfortable. So it seems to me you cannot speak of happiness on absolute terms. It's always going to be just relative to the person. And if there's no such thing as an absolute scale, then how do you sink your teeth into what is and is not true in what you study? Yeah. I think one thing to know is that's definitely true. Everything we know about happiness suggests that it's relative. It's relative to where we were before. It's also a lot relative to other people. So one of the worst things you can do for your happiness is look at lots of happy people on Instagram or social media. That makes you compare yourself and oh, you feel kind of crappy. Yeah, there's a word right? for that. What do they call that? The uh, social comparison and yeah, one, right? Okay, but I was thinking... FOMO, FOMO, FOMO yeah, yeah, fear, fear of missing fear, out. Fear of oh, yeah. missing out, which, which affects you emotionally. 
But the whole point is that those things, it's not happiness in the universe not being objective. It's for me, it can be very objective for me. I have my one to 10 scale, you know, and as I go up, you know, if I get more luxuries in life, then going back down to the cot might make me feel kind of crappy. But the key is that what you want to be having is positive changes for yourself. And so another kind of happiness tip is, you know, not to always have the best things in life. You know, when you start flying in first class every single time, that one time that there's no seat available and you have to go and coach, you know, you're hating life. Life, right. right you know, but if right. you just occasionally with high variance get the first class, that's a way to kind of boost up your happiness. So there's a there's a, a mantra called split your gains and combine your losses in, in the field of psychology. And the idea is you, you want those really great things to happen only once in a while because that's when you'll get the sort of biggest happiness transition. Wow. So what you'll feel most is how big the change was between where you were and what you then experienced. And exactly. that's what you then record. That's exactly right. All we're rec- all we're recording mentally are, are the changes in the transitions. Ooh. And so uh, I, I joke with my students. I don't know if you know this DJ Khaled song. All I do is win. And I joke with them. I was like, <laughs> that would be the worst for a happy life because if all you did is win, there's no transitions. You're just like at ceiling, oh, and you, your worry, life would suck. Worry. Have yeah. you seen the Twilight Zone episode on this? Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh! Right. Oh my gosh! There's a, there's a criminal who gets like shot. And then he shows up, and he's like a gambler, womanizer, criminal type, and he gets shot and dies, okay? And he shows up in this place, and this man appears. and says, hello, you must be, you know, Johnny Smith. You're right on time. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, what is, where am I? Oh, no, don't worry about that, okay? And he says, oh, my gosh, there's a pool hall. Can I go play pool? Yeah. And so he, he goes and hits the ball, and all the balls get sunk at once. And mm-hmm. then he bets on the roulette table and he wins every time. And then all these women come in and they just throw themselves at him. And it's, and he says, Doc, you know, I, I forgot what his name was, but he says, Doc, you know, I, I don't think I deserve this place. This is, you know, everything's going to, you know, take me to the other place. <laughs> and, the, and this is the other place. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Oh, my gosh. So there he was with every single thing he fought to get, risked his life to get as a criminal and as a thing. Now he has it on command, and he is the most miserable person for eternity. Yeah, so this is why happiness requires the ups and downs. This is why we require the happy emotions and the sad emotions, right? We want a life filled with both. So maybe the the mantra isn't um, more beers and more babies. Maybe it's like split your babies and ration your beers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nagin, for that bit of wisdom to end the show. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, anytime. All right, we got to stop it there. So, Lori, great to have you on. This is such a fertile topic, and I'm sure we can find other angles into this, and we're going to call you back because you're just up the street in New Haven, Connecticut. And, Nagin, um, always great to have you on here. It's Love fun, and your book is hilarious, and i I delighted in being a guest on your show. And, Lori, I don't know I have anything to contribute to your podcast, but if you need, I've been happy my, my whole life, I think, so if you mm-hmm. need some, mm-hmm. if you need some, a data point, call me. <laughs> and, I, and by the way, for me, I have a lot of hobbies, and hobbies bring, they help recenter me when I go back to them, and they... They mm-hmm. I reassess where I am in life and then take the, the next step. So anyhow, okay, guys, we're calling it there. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the happiness edition. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, bidding you to keep looking up. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.